0: Step out of the everyday world and take a journey into The Mystical Underground.
1: Welcome to The Mystical Underground. Thank you for joining us. This is Trish McGregor. And Rob McGregor. And our producer and tech magician, John Posey. You can go to themysticalunderground.com where we make regular blog posts and where you can find out about our books. Among them are Phenomena, Harnessing Your Psychic Abilities, The Secrets of Spirit Communication, Sensing the Future, and Aliens in the, bas- uh, in the Backyard. Trisha's latest novel is White Crows, and Rob has recently completed releasing the audio edition of Indiana Jones and the Staff of Kings. Coming out later this month is our new book, The Shift, Reports from the Mystical Underground, in which we explore the ongoing shift. In awareness of billions of people who recognize that in spite of what we see in our daily world we're all energetically entangled and in a deeper level of consciousness and we are in the process of shifting to a higher vibrational state possibly an evolutionary state we'll see okay our guest today is
2: candace sanderson who lives in naples florida uh, her life changed in a 10-minute period in August 2013, when she began to receive information from messengers from other worldly sources. When her training as a psychologist failed to explain these events, she reluctantly followed the, uh, the breadcrumbs cr- down a path which r- resulted in Extraordinary Adventures into the Unknown. Candace first appeared with us on the Mystical Underground in 2020 when we talked about her first book, The Reluctant Messenger, and we talked to her in February of this year, uh, 2022, about The Reluctant Messenger Returns that <clears throat> chronicles her uh, expedition across the vast expanse of universal consciousness that led to new truths about life that she thought she had known so well. Her new series, From the Reluctant Messenger, highlights some of her more memorable explorations into other other dimensional spaces. The most recent one, called Close Encounters, takes a new unexpected turn for Candace. Uh, and finally, uh, links to her YouTube channel and other social media platforms can be found on her website, Candacesanderson.com. Candace Sa- Welcome, Sa- Candace. I, I got it out.
3: <laughs> you did it, Rob. <laughs> yes, you did. Okay. Uh, Rob and Trish, thank you so much for having me back. It's so good to be back in a normal situation right now. <laughs> well, yeah. tell us about this hurricane
1: yeah. that you were in the middle of, <laughs> Naples. <laughs>
3: Oh, oh my goodness. Um, Luckily, I had moved a half a mile inland because I live on the coast, but I moved a half a mile inland to my daughter's house. uh, And that made all the difference. Now, I have lived in my condo for over 30 years and we've had hurricanes before, but we've never had a storm surge like what we had with Hurricane Ian. It came in at high tide. And the Gulf of Mexico just crashed over our seawall. It filled the entire lower garage with over six feet of water. Luckily, Mm. I moved my car to the upper garage. (laughs) It broke through the building and flooded the entire first floor. And it went onto the street. Now, across the street from me are other condos that are on the bay. The same thing happened at the bay. But bottom line is the street became a river and there were cars that floated away from under carports we still have a couple cars lodged on top of the hedges in front of my building Jeez. in fact the the other day when i was coming over the little bridge to you know come to my condo cuz i'm still staying at my daughter's house we saw one car and it's perched on top of a boat in the bay oh, <laughs> but things are getting back to normal um as much as they can be. Yeah. So thank you for asking. Now, does your daughter also live in Naples? Is that? Yes, she lives uh-huh. in Naples, but she's a half a mile inland from where I am. And uh, her elevation is higher. So she, we were without electricity for about five days, but she didn't have any flooding. Thank goodness. Oh, that's good.
2: I was watching some of the coverage, and uh, they were in, uh, uh, reporters were in Naples, and uh, he said, oh, uh, my car's not here anymore. It floated away. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I guess it's, it's uh, crazy. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So did the guides give you any warning of your close encounters with this catastrophe? Did you have any sense of something happening?
3: Well, on the surface, I don't think I had any advance warning, mm-hmm. um, but I did evacuate my apartment, you know, just by going to my daughter's home. Mm-hmm. And I've mm-hmm. never done that in the last 30 years. Um, you know, that storm track with Ian was predicted to hit closer to Tampa. right? right. And then as it, it moved closer back toward us, you know, we did not get the evacuation notices that we typically do. Yet, I still evacuated. So... Was that like my guides gently nudging me to pay attention to common sense? You know, maybe. But since then, as I'm trying to navigate this post Ian period in my life, I am without a doubt feeling the guidance, especially from my angels. Now, let me share a couple of situations, a couple of examples. When the roads cleared enough for us to drive, I, my son-in-law and daughter, we left the kids at home, came to my apartment. It was a couple of days after the, the hurricane. And there in my living room, I had had a butterfly habitat that I'd moved in from my balcony. And I had a chrysalis that was supposed to hatch the following week. But there he was. Uh, I used my flashlight because the hurricane shutters are down. Everything's completely dark. And there's a butterfly, a monarch oh, butterfly. So cool. that had, <laughs> yeah, and well, and Trisha had no choice; I had to name him Ian. Yeah, really. <laughs> but this, <laughs> you know, but the symbolism didn't that's escape beautiful. me. It's like during the chaos of a hurricane, he transformed into a beautiful butterfly. You know, we we took the habitat; it's just a big net cage. And we took it to my daughter's house and we'd let my granddaughter's ages six and 10 watch Ian as he flew away. But <laughs> it was just a little miracle. And it yeah. added to some brightness of the day. Yeah. But I saw this specifically as a sign from guidance. Mm-hmm. This butterfly represents a new world, a new right. life. New birth. And if you if you've ever watched a, a caterpillar change, I had not. But change from caterpillar to chrysalis, and then emerge as a butterfly. It's an amazing transformation. They go from formless to chaos, and it just becomes form and freedom. It was our. It was just a beautiful symbol. Where did you release them? I took him to my daughter's house and just in their driveway. When the girls came back from the babysitters, because uh-huh. we did not want them seeing the damage at my my place, mm-hmm. um, we opened it up, you unzipped it, and he that's just so great. came out and <laughs> fluttered away. It was well, it was beautiful. Nice. It was beautiful. But you know, I started getting lessons from my messengers and from the angels after the storm. I'm learning about resilience. I did not know I was a resilient person, but I'm finding <laughs> out I am. I'm learning about gratitude, which I did know, but I had to seek that out. But what I really like is I've had to find a new flow, a new balance. Um, Living five days without electricity, we started going to sleep when the sun set. No longer clock time. We rose Uh when the sun rose. And it was this beautiful pattern to actually slip into. And I I realized this is a valuable lesson for me. When you can't control something, just let go. Slip into the flow that that nature brings automatically. Don't fight against the tide. Go with the flow. Yeah,
2: Yeah, that's true. When you you get out of your ordinary patterns, uh, things happen, (laughs) you know, because you're looking at things in a different way. And messages come through in a different way. And it's, it's, After
1: Wilma, we spent 10 days without power. So, I mean, oh, it's not oh, fun, I re- but you have <laughs> to, you know, you're right. You have to go with the flow. Yeah.
3: Right. So I mean, a- what else can you do? Um, <laughs> yeah. Now, I, ha- I had, let me, may I share just a couple of other sure. things that happened? Sure. Yeah. Um. You know, once I was able to get my car and then I could drive back over to my condo, it's like, yes. But I woke up one morning and I looked and I have a relatively new podcast and I have my podcast automatically set, like at the first of the month, I've set it to automatically once a week, you know, produce something. and I have no idea what's coming up this week. I wait to see. Well, (laughs) like three days after the storm, guess what the episode was that was released. It's called Angels Watching Over You. That's good. And it's about a team of angels that intervene in our lives. And I thought this was a perfect sign from my angels that it was released right after it came in. Yeah. Yeah. So you hit I'm smiling, but I'm smiling over this this I'm sorry, this coincidental podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I get in my car, Rob, to go to my condo Mm -hmm. and I ask for a sign from my angels what is the first car that pulls in front of me, but a plumbing van called Charlie's angels. Oh my God. (laughs) That's a great synchronicity. Trish Trish, on the back of the sign, it says nothing stops an angel. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That is great. It was, it was perfect. So although those angels, and guides may not have forewarned me. Maybe this is something I needed to learn and mm-hmm. you know go through. I can feel their guidance every step of the way in this aftermath.
1: Dennis, mm-hmm. could I, use, we're, we're, I'm doing a book called uh, Mind-Blowing Synchronicities. I think that angel thing qualifies. Could I use that in the book? It's really terrific. Ab-
3: absolutely, absolutely. Charlie's and angels. God. I, and, and I love the word. You know, synchronicity and coincidence, mm-hmm. because coincidence, that root word is coincide. Right. So a coincidence means it coincides with your life's purpose and with your connection to angels. And it was a beautiful coincidence. Of, of course, you can you may use that. <laughs> Okay, Thank you. Mm. <laughs>
2: That's a great one. So uh, you had a close encounter with Ian. But uh, you also had an experience at a workshop earlier this year, uh, when the messengers or new messengers showed up, uh, revealing themselves as uh, apparently as alien beings. Uh, yes. So I'm wondering, did you have much interest in aliens before that experience? Uh, 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 had,
1: you, had you read many books on the subject? Well, explain, uh, too, this happened at the Monroe Institute, right? Yes. Which, yeah, which yes. basically studies the nature of consciousness.
3: Yes, it does. Okay. But, Rob, to answer your question, it's no and no. I've had, like, zero interest <laughs> in aliens. I mean, I wrote this short book about my experience, you know, UFOs. I didn't even know that UFOs are now called UAPs, <laughs> Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon. It's so new to me. Yeah, of course, I've heard stories about You know, aliens, but I don't own any books about them. And I I actually don't remember ever reading a book about them. Now, let me tell you about the movies. I've seen Close Encounters (laughs) of the Third Kind, I've seen E.T., where he's, you know, phoning home uh, Sigourney Weaver's movie Alien and Contact with Jodie Foster. But that's about it. Mm -hmm. I didn't have any interest in E.T.'s. If anything, I felt a little. Well, I don't want to say fearful, that's too strong of a word, but I felt a little hesitant about them. It's like I just didn't have any desire whatsoever uh to make any kind of connection. It's like yeah. no thank you.
2: So you've <laughs> never seen any UFOs, uh, anything in the sky or any uh sense no. before? Uh, okay, yeah.
4: Well tell us no, your watchers. and.
2: Yeah, go ahead.
3: Okay, yeah. No, I haven't seen any, but nor have I looked for any. It's like, you know, that stuff. It right. just seems so far out there. Now, realize me, someone who was trained as a psychologist, who's now channeling non-physical entities. <laughs> so if it feels strange to me, it's pretty strange. But, no, yeah. you know, Trisha, you're right. When I wrote the book, I did not use the name of the Institute in the uh-huh. book. But I was at Monroe Institute in Virginia. And I was taking a class that you know, on first glance, it didn't seem like it was related. It was a class called NDE Near-Death Experience uh-huh. Spectrum. So, um, you know, we were, well, first of all, Monroe Institute uses sound-based technology. Mm-hmm. They use something that's actually called um, Monroe Sound Science. It's a combination of binaural beats and other, you know, sound technology. It's but the hemisync, this, right? Well, it's not Hemisync. It's an upgrade from that. Hemisync is binaural beats. So they use the binaural beats, but they layer it with other Mm sound-based technology. So this is a relatively new, right? you know, they're always improving. But as a participant, I always say this is a lazy person's way to meditate. All you have (laughs) to do is put on those big headphones, kick back, close your eyes and that's it because the frequencies take you where you need to go. Mm-hmm. Now, Monroe, of course, they're known for you know helping people have out-of-body experiences. Mm-hmm. But here I am at near-death spectrum, and we're going to be put into those frequencies where you're with those that are out-of-body. So now I can understand why it would have come to me, why uh-huh. this experience happened. But the program was not designed to meet ETs. And I'm really (laughs) glad it wasn't, because otherwise I would have thought, oh, you just made this up. It was wishful thinking. Uh But this, it happened on the very first full day of the program. We were having what's called a free flow meditation. So there's no verbal guidance. We go to our rooms. We're just relaxing. Immediately, I start getting a message. That's That's what I do. That's not new to me. So I grabbed my iPhone. I hit record because I want to record what's happening in real time. That way I don't have to remember it. I started getting a channeled message and it sounded like the muses within who were like some of the first messengers that I had very beautiful prose very poetic, like everything is energy. It's the breath of the flower as she whispers Mm -hmm. in the wind. The current of an eagle as she glides through the sky—you know—it's just gorgeous. And then, boom, it changed. Now, now do so. Just, do you speak into your phone as you're getting these messages. Yes, absolutely, okay. because it—it's like dictation. Mm-hmm. Um, I hear, I—I I, well, air quote—hear the words. And if I make a mistake, they'll say correct that. They tell me how to end a sentence, when to start a new paragraph. I mean, it's it's really easy for me. That's but great. I know, I know. I don't have to do any work other than record it. But d- you know what? That just sounds so weird because as a psychologist, I didn't believe in this. If you couldn't measure something with your physical senses, it didn't exist. And then now I'm in this totally different world. But all of a sudden, as I'm getting this message everything changes. You can feel it with the energy. It's not just the wording, but it's like, oh, something's going on here. And I knew it was a new messenger. And the next words that came out were, all sensors are open and prepared for you to receive the data from other sources. So it comes with a pattern that's very different. The words are very different. And it's like, okay, we're just going to step back and observe, see what happens. Then I'm recording what's going on. And and I'm actually like bilocating, you know, in a uh-huh. sense, because there's the observer that's watching everything. And then there's me also as the experiencer. And I found myself slipping into what I can only describe as a personal small flying machine. It molded Mm -hmm. to me, to my physical form. It's like slipping on a glove, a buttery soft leather glove. It's tight, but it's comfortable. And this aircraft or whatever was made just for me. And then I felt and actually could see electrical current coming from the aircraft into my body, pouring through my cells and there were like sparks that flickered and sputtered like an electrical short. And, you know, when you fry an electrical circuit unintentionally, plug something in the wrong way, right. and you get that ozone smell. I actually smelled that ozone. Ah. Hmm. But my body just, my physical body just like melted and liquefied, oh my goodness, into the skin of the machine. I'm just now I'm getting this. This is just like what happens with the caterpillar when it becomes a crystal, exactly <laughs> it, it liquefies. I just that's that incredible. It, oh I've got cold chills now. <laughs> um before it transforms into this butterfly. But there's no boundary now between me and the machine. We are one.
2: So do you think a this message, cra- yeah do you think this craft itself was a conscious being was it? or a vehicle.
3: Yeah for- um conscious being It it was an intelligence. Okay. And I became part of it. So we were one. So yes, it would be conscious. Like
2: like AI.
3: Yes. Right.
2: Okay.
1: Yeah. With Mm, the beating with the
3: beating heart.
1: Yes. (laughs) Interesting. AI who's human.
3: (laughs) Right. So the messengers then identified themselves. They gave a little message and they said, we are from a galactic council of light. And I'm thinking, hmm. And then they said they're adjusting their frequency so they can communicate better with me. Now, I want you to try to picture what I'm going to describe. First of all, I'm lying down in my bed. I'm on my back. My arms are to my side. Two humongous waves of energy rush through me at the same time. One begins at my shoulders. It rushes down my arms through my hands. And at the same time, energy begins at my hips. shoots. They shoot down my legs and out my feet. Huh. So imagine looking down at me with my arms to my side. I did not realize this in real time because I'm not analyzing. All I'm doing is recording.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: When I got home and transcribed my dictation, I realized, all right, first of all, my body is now a personal aircraft. <laughs> and that a power shooting down my lim- limbs and out my arms and legs. I had become a rocket. I was literally launching into another dimension. Wow. I didn't realize it at the time, but then I ended up. I'm I'm in this new space. It's a you it, know I, mean, I can't see, and then it clears. Still lying on my back, I look from side to side. There are two humanoid shapes more um beings two on each side of me now as a psychologist you saw this okay
1: you saw this visually these
3: i okay i am in a meditative state Uh and when i'm in a meditative state i have visions that are often more real than 3d okay but i am seeing this in my meditative state which means through my energy body right I started scanning them and as a psychologist document. And I'm 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 into the phone, I'm saying green skin, thin bodies, no nails on the rounded tips of their long fingers, wow. large heads resting on slender necks, no mouth. There were like gill-like features on the sides of their head. Wow. And of course those almond-shaped eyes with no green. But what's so odd, I was not afraid. Hmm. Now, part of that's my training as a psychologist. Don't react, simply observe and document. Hmm. Then the next thing, these beings start waving slowly back and forth while watching me. And I'm thinking, that's really weird. (laughs) And then I got my hands and put them above my head. And I'm thinking, why am I doing this? And then I realized I am doing the same thing, waving back and forth. Now, just like I figured out my body was like a rocket, I had an aha moment once I got home and transcribed that. And oh my goodness, here we go again. I was extracting myself from the aircraft, just like a butterfly, from the crystal. Wow. <laughs> I am moving at their direction away from that aircraft. It's like the real me was slipping out of this cocoon. Huh. And then that's when they started, I don't know, really communicating with me telepathically. Now that I was out of my shell, I could understand their communications huh. better.
2: Yeah. So, uh, Candace, where was the space where this took place? I mean, they weren't in your room, but you were with them somewhere else. But so, go ahead. Uh, uh, so, were you like in an out-of-body state then? Because you are at, a, at the Mineral Institute.
3: Yes, yes, yes. Uh, my physical body is in my um, in my bed. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. My energy body, map out-of-body body, right. is with them experiencing this. Mm-hmm. Um are the, you aware
2: of both? Are you yes, aware of yourself in yes, the bed it, and and with them?
3: Okay. It's exactly. It's like that by location. One mm-hmm. part of me is just observing and documenting. The other part of me is actually living it. And for people who have not had out-of-body experiences, once you really start navigating the non-physical you well i shouldn't say you i have visions that are more real than 3d you can feel yourself walking in grass you can you can smell the scents you can listen to birds and, and, and rose said just, the same
1: thing in his first book in oh really I, out of, I yeah i remember that yeah i'm sorry go ahead but
3: it's true <laughs> well but if you think about it trish um Well, Rob too, sorry, not leaving you out, but (laughs) when we're in, when we're out of our physical bodies, we are more closely connected to who we really are, Mm -hmm. which is spirit and what we experience in 3D, that is, but a shadow of who we really are. So once you learn to really navigate that non-physical sense, you realize Things that you don't realize, you mm-hmm. know, uh, the, the senses are so much stronger. But what I found, my, so I, I'm in my energy body. Mm-hmm. The beams are telling me to relax and to breathe deeply. I do that. And then I find myself in this void, this uh, timeless void, and I'm spinning. Huh. And then I come out of the void and the four beings next to me start to really talk with me, communicate with me more clearly. And they said that I can call them the galactic eight. Hmm. And the first thing I thought was, they don't know how to count. There's two here <laughs> and two <in> here. Last <laughs> week, I knew that was four. I mean, you know, I immediately realized this is an error. And then you were saying, no. There's two at your head and two at your feet. Wow. And that gave me cold chills. I mean, I'm lying flat. I'm not really looking around that much. And then I thought, oh my goodness. And they told me there. They told me that they were there to help protect me. And I knew immediately that they, these are beings with tremendous knowledge. Um, you know, I don't know what they are. I mean. Are they from another galaxy? You know, are they us in the future? But you know, I don't know. In the, I probably never know. But I did know that they were specialists and they had very highly sophisticated skills. Huh. Now, after learning there's eight of them, I start looking around. And over on my left side, I look up and there's like a, a platform with a lot of bees. And these beings are speaking to me, and just, well, they're basically observing. They're going through the galactic eight, but they're saying they're the Council of Light, and they are just observing me. Then I, the the eight beings next to me, look up, and I look to see what they're looking at. And Rob, this is something I saw with my physical eyes. I saw a green dot floating in my room, in my bed, in Mm -hmm. my bedroom, right above my bed with my physical eye. And that green dot comes and lands right here on that jugular notch, Mm
4: -hmm.
3: you know, of your neck. And Uh it goes all the way down my chest and stops at my pubic bone. And then I realized, oh, that's a laser. It did Uh not hurt. It did not freak me out, which surprises me. And they were examining me, but I was okay with that. I I consented to it. Next, another green laser comes across. So where they cross, there's that, there's a green dot and it starts. I mean, I could actually hear it click when it crossed in the horizontal and the vertical one. And it starts like beating like a heart. Well, oh. Think about the heart chakra. It's green. It's green. And and then the beings told me, and there's more to it than this, but they told me that this was like a homing beacon. And they could find me and I could locate them using that beacon. Now, a, a few minutes later, everything just kind of melted and faded. And I found myself back in my bed, in my physical body at the Monroe Institute. But something happened a couple of days later. I um, woke up a little before four because I had rolled over on the headphones. We had these huge comfy headphones that we use for the meditation and it must have fallen off the shelf and I rolled over on it. And there was just this pain um, right At at my hip, right above my left hip and right below my, um, I mean, my left hip and my left rib cage. So I sit up to grab and remove this headphone, and I see with my physical eyes, oh my goodness, three long, green, bony fingers (laughs) withdrawing from me. I mean, I get cold. (laughs) Withdrawing, they and what I realized was, I immediately knew this. I had been with the Galactic Eight, and they were returning me to the safety of my bed. Huh. I have no memory, no recollection of what happened. Maybe I will one day, but this. Really was an eye opener for me because I realized I felt this. This was physical. This is what woke me up. Hmm. And if I had any kind of doubts about the experience, well, you know, it was just in and out of body. So it didn't really happen. It's like, no. Hmm. You know, I popped out of bed and because it's like, there's no way I'm going back to sleep after that. (laughs) Weren't you freaked out? (laughs) (laughs) To see the, weren't you freaked out? I think I would have been screaming. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I was freaked out, but like immediately I knew they were returning me. They Mm -hmm. weren't trying to take me. But what really freaked me out is it made me realize the event that had happened a few days before was true. It was (laughs) real. That's the part that freaked me out. Uh You know, there's as many years as I've been channeling and and I I know how true many things are that sound bizarre. And then I end up getting documentation and it validates what happened Uh is true. That's what freaked me out. It's like, I did not make this up. I knew I hadn't, but it's like, that's the part that really freaked me out. That was your evidence. Wow. Uh Yes.
2: So Candace, your first experience, the initial experience, was that actually when you were staying at the Monroe Institute or was it before? I, uh, I can't, the close I,
3: encounter. Okay. All right. At at Monroe, I was at a program that's a six-day program. Right. So all of this happened during the program.
2: Okay. It was during the program. Okay. All right. Yes.
3: Okay.
1: Has there been anything since you left? Yes. Other than Ian? <laughs> and the butterflies
3: right once uh, once i got home i started um transcribing everything from my iphone and and i was getting more and more messages then one day i had a dream and i've I've got a pretty extensive dream journal i i I can remember my dreams pretty well and in this dream i saw the galactic eight and they turned their backs to me And when they did, they unzipped the back of their head, I would say at the top of their head, all the way down to like their shoulder blades. And then their body fell away. And I looked and what I could see was this this cluster, this conglomeration of bones, of just skeletal structures. And then I had this aha moment and I realized... Oh my gosh, that's why they all look alike. I couldn't tell them apart. That green skin that they had, those almond shaped eyes with no pupils, that's a spacesuit. Oh, Their real self was something else that could not function in that space where we were uh-huh. connecting. Huh. And, you know, and I haven't read about, um, you know, ETs. I don't know if that's another theory or not. I'm just going on right. my experience, but it was like, wow. And then I had another um, message. Well, I mean, I've had several, but one was they, they told me, and this was also in a dream state. I woke up and I knew I had been with the Galactic Ape and they told me to contact a woman. I, somebody I know. She used to live in Naples. She lives in Tennessee now, and I, I had her, um, you know, contact information. So I texted her and I said, "I had this like really strange dream, and it it was actually from these aliens, and and I, I just wanted to like let you know. And you know, she's psychic, so she she knows it's okay to say strange things like that. <laughs> she picked up the phone and called me. Huh. She was not in Tennessee. She was in Mount Shasta, and she was getting ready to go up in the mountains to look for ETs. And (laughs) it's interesting because she was never interested in ETs either. But little by little, information is still trickling in from them. And although they've said that I can connect with them when I want to, I just haven't done that yet. I like to Mm -hmm. just kind of wait and. See what happens. Process naturally. everything.
2: Uh, yeah. So what was uh, the rea- What was the reaction of other people at the Monroe Institute uh, at the workshop? You you talked about this uh, publicly to everybody, didn't you?
3: Yes, yes, I did. You know mm-hmm. Monroe is great. Their uh, their they're trainers um, are very professional, and they know that. It's important to honor everybody's experience. Mm -hmm. They don't judge. It's a very safe place to share. Now, as soon as this was over, my first thought was, I'm not telling anyone this is too (laughs) bizarre. (laughs) But then, you know, I mean, I just felt like that was not real genuine. I I, I felt like as uncomfortable as I felt with sharing it with others, it's like, you know, it's my truth. I need to share it. So, So I did. And everyone was uh, very accepting. And what's interesting is later, a couple of people came up to me and had these private conversations. They were really interested in ETS, and they wanted uh. they shared their experience with me. Um, so I'm glad I, I did share it because it was my truth, and I, I just needed to yeah. you know to tell that story. And I knew Monroe was a safe place to do that.
1: Mm. What's your daughter think?
3: Well, you know, my daughter, I, you know, I love my daughter. She may not always embrace the things that I embrace, but when she needs me, she does. Like, for example, she she does some coaching. She's an athletic trainer, um, I mean, an athletic director at a at, uh-huh. uh, local high school. And if one of her kids has an injury or something, She'll say, hey, mom, can you do some long distance Reiki with them? So when it when it's real convenient, she does know that I'm connected. Uh-huh. Um, they don't know what to think of this, but they accept me. They mean, you know, my daughter and my, my son in law. They accept me for who I am. But it's interesting because I didn't even tell my sisters about this uh-huh. until I was ready to produce the book. And then the book. The lady that that does my book cover, she's excellent. She has a picture of an alien hand reaching down. Oh my gosh, Robin Trish, the picture that she chose is exactly what I saw. Jeez. Three three fingers, green. I, you know, it was just, huh? It was so uncanny. <clears throat> oh. That is cool. Yeah, that's that's
2: fascinating. Um, so, when you you obtain these messages, uh, how can you, dis, uh, I think uh, people who are skeptics might wonder now, how can you distinguish it from being outside of you versus your own conscious mind that's uh, giving you information? Uh, is, it, right. is there some way of distinguishing the two? Well,
3: good question. First of all, If you're skeptic and you don't believe this, that's okay. I am not here to make anyone believe what my experiences are. My experiences Mm -hmm. are my experiences. And when you are ready to um, look into things that aren't within your belief system, you might change Mm -hmm. how you feel. But first of all, you have to believe what you want to believe. You have to accept what you, you accept. Don't believe me just because I say it happened. But the information as it comes in, um, comes in with very specific words. Like I said earlier, it's like dictating Um, air quotes. I hear what punctuation to use when to start a new paragraph. Um, I remember with Chiron, for example, I saw a whiteboard and I saw the name written. So I knew how it was written. And then I knew, how it was pronounced. Um, Mm. Sometimes the information comes to me in a complete download. I had like a 30 or 40 minute message from white Buffalo once that I wrote about in stampede. I sat down and just started typing as fast as I could. But the information is like, um, you know, a sweater. If you pull a piece of yarn from the sweater Mm. and the more you pull it, it starts unraveling. It unravels like the message as fast or slowly as you pull it. Hmm. Sometimes I just know the message when I just know something. And I used to doubt that, but I've learned to trust it. But I know the information is not coming from me because it's not my language. It's not my words. And quite often like this, it's not my subject material. I would have never wanted to have a contact with green <laughs>
4: <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, with green but, fingers. <laughs> but, you
3: know, I mean, I can remember once I had a message from Kuan Yin. Now, before I started channeling, all of this was new to me. I had no idea who Kuan Yin was. She's like the Buddhist counterpart to Mother Mary. Like, I didn't know that. But then when I Googled her later, it's like, oh, you're kidding. Same thing with Chiron. I knew nothing about Chiron. And even, Trish, you even did a, a read my chart for me, because you know all about Chiron. But most of the information when I started channeling was brand new to me, not on a topic I knew. So I knew it didn't come from me. But after a while, I had hundreds of pages of messages and so many of them, I could verify. So Mm
4: -hmm.
3: I learned to trust. And that made all the difference.
2: Yeah. yeah. So, so when you receive these messages, are you aware of a particular personality that's sending them? I mean, you mentioned Quan Yin and uh, a couple of others. Is the, is are the is there one particular entity that uh, messenger? Uh, are there does it vary or how's that work?
1: I mean, like Jane Roberts and Seth, where it was one. Is that true? Yeah, like Seth
2: was uh, right entity, but uh, but I mean when when I read your book it seems like it's information more than personality i guess is what i'm saying
3: yeah. absolutely absolutely like the mm-hmm. first messengers that came in are the muses within they speak in this beautiful prose this poet poetic language mm-hmm. and so i can recognize them it was a long time before they told me who they were and i don't know i i don't usually ask who are you <laughs> i just figure if the information is important they'll tell me like Chiron said Chiron um, white Buffalo calf woman said who she was, but Mm -hmm. a lot of them don't. And that's okay with me because it's the message that they give me that is so beautiful. Like angels, for example, for most angels, when they come in, sometimes I get names, but you know, again, not always, but generally with angels, I usually know when they're coming because it's like boohoo. The tears just start just like I got a little teary eyed when I was telling you about the coincidence at the beginning of yeah, the show right. with the angels, because when they surround me, there is so much love and compassion. It's just, it's just almost, almost overwhelming. When Seraphim angels come in, I always see a purple mist. Huh. When um, Metatron comes in, I see Metatron in a Merkaba. Now that's a star tetrahedron, so a pyramid, one pointing up, one pointing right. down, and they're combined. When I first met him, air quotes, met him and had messages from him, I had no idea what a what a Merkaba was, and huh. I had no idea that he was associated with it. But some of them. Um, come in in such a way that you know who they are without knowing their name but it's it's easy to I'm pretty energy sensitive now it's pretty easy to understand when there's a new messenger just like the beginning of this message when all of a sudden everything shifted with this experience and it's like whoa what is this I know this is different Yeah.
1: Um, Very weird. Uh, this would make a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> we'll
3: um, we'll let you be the star in it, okay? Yeah, yeah, right. right,
1: <laughs> I'd totally freak out if something was if I saw
3: green fingers coming out of my back. Uh, I had you no, know, I, I thought I would too, but but immediately, what I had that knowing that yeah. they were returning me, and if. That made all the difference. Yeah, now, sure it I, mean, did. I obviously didn't sleep anymore uh, <laughs> for that night. But, you know, it, the whole thing has amazed me that I was not really freaked out and frightened because one of the messages that I got afterwards, once I got home and started processing, which I'm still processing, is, you know, I wrote a whole chapter in, the, in my first book about cosmic contacts. uh uh-huh and many times they did not show themselves in physical form so what makes me think they weren't <clears throat> these green figures with yeah, almond shaped eyes maybe they were and so i've discovered that they are a subset of my messengers hmm. and i ask like why now and and why is this so different and they said i've grown and developed right. and that i was actually ready for a communication like mm-hmm. this, which is much more interactive than than what I've had before.
1: Also, I mean, if you have that certainty that they're not there to hurt you, you know, I think that's that makes a difference.
2: Yes, so, yes. Yeah. So could it be that these beings are both physical and non-physical, like light beings, and sometimes move into the physical and out? Uh, I, I've heard this is the future evolution of uh, mankind into that uh, direction.
3: You know what? That makes perfect sense because if you think of their green skin as a spacesuit, which is what they told me, mm-hmm. they are from another din- dimension of space. Now we know that time is only of the earth plane. Mm-hmm. So are they us way in the future? I mean, you know, who knows, are they just in another di- just are they in a far dimension? But when they come into that interface, that space where I am in my energy body during this meditative state, mm-hmm. and then I think I had their assistance with becoming a rocket and shooting up to yeah. an even finer and more subtle um, energy space. Then they moved down into an area where we can communicate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole thing has been just, just so fascinating for me. It really has, yeah. <laughs> and I wish I knew the answers, but I don't. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, you're still learning. And, you know, it's it sounds like it's still a journey. So yeah,
3: it is.
2: Had you been to the Monroe Institute before this? Uh, that, that your experience with the uh, aliens? And have you? Yes, I have been. And and had you experienced out-of-body, had out-of-body experiences there?
3: Yes. I've had, Mm -hmm. um, I've gone to many programs at Monroe and I first started going and, and I realized, as I said earlier, it's like, oh, this is so easy. You don't have to do anything but put the headphones (laughs) on and the frequencies take you where you need to go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, each time I would go to a program, I would come back a little different, a little changed. Now, I'm still going as that um, clinically based, very pragmatic psychologist, but uh-huh. it's like, okay, I'm still open to see what happens. Mm-hmm. But each program, my baseline, changed until I just reached this tipping point. And I went to one program and um, called Lifeline, where we actually helped people transition. Right. People who have died, but they're they're still in their energy form and they haven't made their complete transition. And we've helped them transition to the other side. And when I did that program, two weeks later, I came home and I started channeling because I had reached a tipping point. Hmm. And another thing is I used to think in terms of an out-of-body experience as the typical floating above your body, turning around, seeing yourself right. in the bed, touching the ceiling, going through a door. But I realized what I was experiencing was an out-of-body experience in many of the things I was doing at Monroe. It was not the typical, okay, walk through the door right. You know, <laughs> of your bedroom. But I was in such such an expanded interdimensional space that I was witnessing and experiencing cosmic consciousness. Mm. I I took one program called OBE Intensive and William Buhlman, before he retired from Monroe, gave Mm. this program. And he was saying that he no longer, of course, he's like one of the world's leading authorities on initiating out-of-body experiences. And he told the group, he said, you know, I no longer just get out of bed, you know, or get out of my body and go in my neighborhood and check what's going on. He (laughs) said, I go out in the cosmos, I go Uh further out. So what happened with me is um, I was having out of body experiences without actually realizing that's what they were. Uh
1: Mm -hmm. Why did he retire?
3: But I I remember. Oh, I I don't know. He just. You know he's still doing some things privately, and I yeah. follow him on Facebook, and we still connect. Uh-huh. He's, you know, yeah,
2: we, we we're trying um, to he's get doing him.
3: some online courses too.
2: Yeah, we we're trying to get him to come on the podcast, but he 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 did say he's retired.
3: Yeah, when we, when we asked.
2: Oh. <laughs> so, you know. so oddly enough, uh, Trish and I have been to the Monroe Institute, but not as visitors. As, <laughs> as visitors, not as a program. Oh. Um, because uh we we're visiting friends uh Nancy scooter Mcmonigo and Joe mcmonigo and oh. I, uh I don't know what what we we're doing exactly but she, uh scooter took us she was the, I, do. Actually, I remember
1: Megan okay. was looking at the UVA remember she was looking to see if she was oh that's to go to right Universal yeah Virginia
2: right yeah. that's why we were there yeah and uh we'd we'd known uh, uh, the McMonnie goes for a few years. And so Scooter gave us a, a tour of the place. We saw these little sleeping rooms. They, they look kind of small.
3: <laughs> they, they are small. They yeah. are small. Yeah.
2: They're,
3: you know, they're, they're called check units, which is uh, right. an acronym C H E K, um, Controlled Holistic Environmental Chamber. Mm-hmm. it's For those who haven't been there, it's like a, a single sized bed, but it's like a sleeping berth on a train uh-huh. because they're built into the wall. And then you have these really dark um, curtains that you close and it, and all light is gone. But there's a couple of mm. lights if you, you know what lights are uh, in the room. Yeah. But, you mm. know, that's where you do all of your experiences, mm-hmm. your meditations in that check unit. And it cuts out any sound and light. Mm-hmm. And it really helps you uh, get into that meditation, that meditative state.
2: Yeah. Uh, one thing I remember from that experience there was that there's an a, kind of an unusual big rock in the backyard of the facility like, there. What is that?
3: <laughs> oh my goodness! It is it is like a six foot tall crystal that came from Brazil. It was actually oh, okay. Much we have a larger of it, than Rob. That.
2: Yeah, I know we do. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Okay. So that was was him imported. I didn't, uh, I didn't know that. Yes.
3: Yes. It was Ah. brought in from Brazil and then um, they dropped it or something and it broke into three pieces. One person, I don't know who it is, has one third of it. There's one at Ah. Nancy Penn center at Monroe. And then up the mountain, there's Robert's mountain, which is another retreat. That's where Bob Monroe's house actually is. So that other part of the crystal is up there. And it's so interesting. Um, I'll share with you all later since, um, you know, for a podcast, you can't see this. But (laughs) when I was there, um, you know, for this program, this NDE spectrum, I always go out to the crystal, lots of good energy. And I asked for an orb to come and land in my hand. I didn't get it on my hand, but I have a picture of like a four foot orb That's coming over me. And with the person I'm holding hands with, we're right there together bringing in the energy. It's coming down over us. But a lot of like magical things happen around that crystal because the intention of the people there, and plus I think it's on a ley line, and crystals are wonderful. They draw in energy. So being Right. right there. Oh, and Monroe Institute is actually on crystal mountain they say uh-huh. the foundation of the mountain is all crystal so yeah. it's extremely yeah, it's, powerful yeah
2: it's beautiful up there in the mountains too it's uh it's just a very great environment yeah and, and by
0: the way by the way candace if you if you can share that picture with us a uh, uh, picture with us then uh i can insert it when we do eventually get the video up on youtube so
3: oh great i will i will do that yeah,
2: yeah. john you got anything you want to add or
3: That's fascinating
0: have yeah. just, just been enjoying the conversation as usual. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think you guys have covered it. Uh, okay. okay. I have Lillia. a question.
1: Yeah. Now, do dogs go out of body?
2: <laughs> I got one right here. I know well, that's what I'm, I, mean they, they I mean, they they mean. they definitely, they definitely. Think
1: they, about it. Why
3: wouldn't they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, that's what they?
1: I figure. I mean, because sometimes yeah. I see our, our dogs are just kind of like they're in, they're meditating is what they're doing. You know? But you know what?
3: You know, Trish, they're so much more intuitive than we are. They really are. And they're so much more energy sensitive. Now, I like to do this. Um, I like to get my energy going and I make a little ball of energy. And if you're around a cat, then you take that Uh energy and you go... And they'll play with it or they'll that's
1: true. I've seen that. Yeah,
3: yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So you know, because they are not stuck in their brains analyzing like we are, Uh they're all heart, they're all instinct. So I'm sure they go out of body. Yeah. I'd be surprised if they did not.
1: Yeah I, yeah, I would, too.
2: And uh, Nigel, our golden retriever, he's interesting. He's He sleeps through the podcast, but he always seems to know, maybe it's a different <laughs> tone of our voice or something, when we're coming to the end, because he gets up and walks over and starts nudging me, time <laughs> to go to the dog park. You
1: know? <laughs> so, oh, that's sweet. Yeah. So oh, It's g- been just great talking yeah, to you. Yeah,
2: great talking to you again, Candice. Now, what's your
3: next book? Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh you know i'm just trying to survive <laughs> ian right now and by the way i was halfway through your book when ian hit so i will uh, finish it and oh do a gosh. review oh okay, trish i saw the review you did online thank you so much that oh was, you're that welcome
1: was i love your book yeah your books are great thank you So i can't wait to read your next one yeah
3: <laughs> <laughs> me me i can't wait <laughs> to Can find it? out what it is <laughs> <Yeah. I can't laughs> <me> maybe, <laughs> maybe you should be teaching
1: other people how to do what you do oh she does she she, she does online workshops yeah i know she does yeah
3: but is that i mean what i
2: go
4: ahead
3: what i'm doing now you know on my youtube is you know i've had people call or or text me or email me and say you know would you do you know can can you do counseling with me or or can you do coach me. And it's like, no, I don't do that anymore. If I hadn't been a psychologist, maybe I would, mm-hmm. but it's like, no, you got to have insurance and all this. So I started a YouTube series just on consciousness, trying to just share with people what I do and what works for me. Uh-huh. So I'm kind of doing that. Okay.
1: Yeah. I just didn't know if you did it in person or, you know,
3: no, I don't do anything in person. I just stay home and <laughs> wander around. You stay home department. and talk to people. <laughs> right.
2: Okay,
0: great. Oh, this has
3: been great. And
0: Thanks for joining The Mystical Underground. Visit www.themysticalunderground.com for the latest blog post and book info. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, google podcast or your favorite podcast app listen to the podcast at podcast.themysticalunderground.com follow trish and rob on instagram at trish and rob mcgregor follow us on twitter at the mystic cast send email to podcast at and until next week thank you for listening and stay mystical.